happy Black Friday, guys. I hope you are listening to this special Black Friday podcast episode on your newly purchased Apple EarPods while brass-knuckling your way through dense crowds of people to pick up that deeply discounted magic bullet that you've had your eye on for a while. Because, you know, you could make some really good vegan, health-message-approved smoothies, and you wouldn't have the crippling guilt of knowing that you paid way too much money, and that that extra money could have gone to the GC for hashtag mission. (laughs) Well, if that's not the scenario for you this morning, maybe... You're sitting on the couch eating leftover dinner roast and mashed potatoes and playing Dutch Blitz with your cousin Craig. (laughs) And of course you guys would be virtuously discussing how you would never stoop so low as to engage in the rampant and selfish consumerism of Black Friday and that it's just downright unchristian when you think about it. And woe to those who weakly succumb to gluttony. Hey, pass the pie, would you, Craig? (laughs) anyway i hope you guys all had a great thanksgiving and um if by chance you don't celebrate thanksgiving in your country i hope you had a great normal thursday where you inexplicably felt more thankful than usual okay um today i'm gonna tell you guys the story of the first black friday um it's a little known story most of you probably have not heard it so that will be exciting Uh, Then I'm going to talk about the blind spots that everyone seems to have. It's like 100% guaranteed to really get under everyone's skin. So if you're wanting to feel like serene and validated and unprovoked today, maybe like go buy something on Amazon instead of listening to me because chances are you are going to disagree with me in some way or another. Um, In fact, you'll probably be so upset that as you go to get out the Christmas decorations to start setting them up because, guys, it's past Thanksgiving and the Christmas decorations police can get off their high horse about no Christmas before Thanksgiving. (laughs) Anyway, probably right now you're pulling out your string of lights and when you hear me taking a shot at what you hold most dear, you're going to feel that familiar flash of defensive anger, see red for a split second, and miss the outlet and plug the lights directly into the back of your aunt's knee as she reaches up to spray fake frost on the window. And then, of course, your aunt will scream and turn around, and instead of spraying frost on the window, she'll spray it in your grandfather's eye, who's already elderly and frail. (laughs) Your grandfather, of course, will gasp and breathe the aerosol frost and start choking and falling backwards and coughing because he has spindly little unstable legs, and then... As he falls down, his cane is going to snag on your string of Christmas lights and take you down with him. And as you fall to the ground, flailing your way down, um, you grab onto your aunt's hair and you all tumble down in a pile on the ground. And unfortunately, you land on the Christmas tree star and impale your spleen. Like, it's a long road to recovery, but you'll all three pull through, I'm pretty confident. And even though you can't look at each other anymore and Thanksgiving is never the same because of the horrible memories it brings up, What I said continues to haunt you because you know you would never have reacted that way if it wasn't true. So just a heads up, you know. (laughs) Um, If any of that happens, please feel free to email your complaints and, I don't know, your lawsuits to AdventistMillennial at gmail.com. Also, feel free to message me on Instagram or Facebook, but... I do have to warn you that neither are secure platforms, so if you describe your aunt and your grandfather's injuries in detail, um, Mark Zuckerberg might see and laugh at the comedic tableau, sad as it may be in your own memory. Um, okay, with those disclaimers out of the way, let's dive in. 
anyone ever told you the story of the first Black Friday? I think most of us have probably heard the story of the first Thanksgiving as kids, but the first Black Friday is less well known. Um, it all started, as you might suspect, the day after the first Thanksgiving. Squanto and Pocahontas and John Smith were all sitting around the campfire, of course, knee deep in a bet about how soon Thanksgiving would become a federal holiday. Um, John argued, of course, that it couldn't be very soon because the government had to be fully formed enough to even have federal holidays. Uh, but Squanto, on the other hand, said that the principle of a tradition in an unstructured society such as these new colonies would be, in practice, just about the same as a federal holiday, even if it wasn't official. Um, of course, Pocahontas was listening, but she and Miko, they were only three ears of corn into this bet and they weren't really that invested in the premise to begin with. Finally, amazed that such a boring argument could go on for so long on something that clearly wasn't going to be resolved that day, Pocahontas said, you guys, seriously, I can't wait for football to be invented so you can argue about that instead. John and Squanto both looked at her blankly, obviously, because they didn't know what football was or why it would possibly incite arguments. Um, and then they both looked at each other, shrugged, and said simultaneously, Women. Well, as you might expect, that did it for Pocahontas. Ugh! She said, You guys are so typical, I'm leaving. And then, of course, uh, John Smith would say, Where are you going? Everything is closed, it's a federal holiday, remember? <laughs> and then, of course, after another argument ensued about whether Black Friday would be an actual holiday or just the day everyone had off after Thanksgiving, um, they all gave up and headed down to Sears because Pocahontas had seen a really cute papoose carrier in the fall catalog and wanted to see if it had gone on sale as promised. So since it was the first Black Friday and all and as a result of poor marketing by Sears, nobody knew how much of a discount they should expect, so lines were short, obviously. Um, so like within about 20 minutes, Pocahontas had her papoose carrier and John and Squanto had gone in on Grand Theft Canoe for Xbox together. All in all, they really only spent a total of 25 ears of corn, which if you adjust that for inflation would be like getting an Apple Watch for $60 today, with a coupon of course. Um, and so Black Friday was born. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. You're thinking... Grand Theft Auto wasn't released for Xbox until 2002. <laughs> oh wait, that's not what you're thinking? Then I have no idea what's going on in your head. <laughs> Just kidding. You're probably like, I came here for a relevant, insightful Avenus podcast and I get this dreck, I want my money back, and I can't blame you, but hold on. I can really only offer you store credit. Um... <laughs> But I think if you allow me to explain, um, you probably won't even need your store credit. It'll be worth it when I get through. So finally, I watched The Life of Pi. Now you're probably saying, what does that have to do with anything? Um, well, you're about to find out, but spoiler alert, I'm going to tell you the plot of The Life of Pi. You've had six years to watch it, so if you are still upset about the spoiler, then... I don't know what to tell you, honestly. Um, this movie is about a kid from India who gets shipwrecked. He's recounting this whole thing as an adult to a guy who wants to write a book about his life story. Um, the guy says that he heard it was a story that would make him believe in God. Well, 
<clears throat> Pai tells the story about how his family owned a zoo in India. They decided to move to Canada with all the animals, but as happens, the ship sinks on the way to Canada. So he gets stranded on a lifeboat with a Bengal tiger and has to not only survive as a castaway at sea, but also keep the tiger from eating him on this tiny boat. Um, it's just about as believable a story as my Black Friday story. <laughs> and then at the end of the movie, he tells a more realistic version that is much more sad. Um, it involves, like, escaping onto the lifeboat with his mom and some of the ship's crew who eventually kill his mom, and he watches her get eaten by sharks, and then ultimately he's the only one that survives and makes it back to land. And basically all of this whole thing is to say that Despite the horror and sadness of losing everything and going through a harrowing experience, he chooses to believe in his fantasy because it's a better story. So at the end of the movie, he says to the writer, no one can prove either version of the story, um, just that the ship never made it and I was the only survivor. So which story do you prefer? And the writer says, well, the one with the animals. And so Pi is like, and so it is with God. Now, the implication to me seems to be, whatever sounds like a good story about God, believe that, because if it makes you feel better about the unfairness of life, go ahead and indulge in delusion, and, and that'll be good enough. So, how could you not believe in God, like he said at the beginning, if God is whatever you want to believe that he is? It's a very postmodern idea. Um, truth and reality come second to a good narrative. If the story you construct is more compelling than the truth, that story can become truth to you. So now, obviously, you're probably more inclined to accept my Black Friday story, right? I mean, I thought it was pretty dang compelling. But in a lot of ways, I can see why this is an attractive way to look at things. Um, like, I liked the tiger story better than the sharks ate my mom story, and certainly I like the Pilgrim Black Friday story better than, I don't know, whatever reality is. But I also think that this is a really defensive way to live. Um, it's a way to survive through pain rather than grapple with the suffering and unfairness and maybe, just maybe, understand something about why the children suffer, as Ivan says in The Brothers Karamazov, if you've ever read that book. Trying to understand what's the most real and the most true certainly is much less entertaining than <laughs> Black Friday with Pocahontas, but I also think that you risk missing out on seeing something amazing about God that is there to be understood if we're willing to let go of our protective mechanisms in order to see it. Um, there are no safety blankets in the red pill zone, you guys. Can you handle that? Okay, so now that you're all fist pumping and shouting, yes, I feel like Leo Bloom when he finally throws away his blankie and the producers. Onward to truth, whatever the cost. Um, wait, you're not saying that? Dang it, you people need to watch more musicals. Um, but back to my point. Now I'm going to summarily take shots at every possible audience for this podcast and see if you're prepared to question your accepted narratives. Okay. I'm about to say something that is going to shock you. Are you ready? Brace yourself. I defy tyranny in every form. Oh, you're not surprised by that because it's my broken record talking point for this entire podcast? 
Okay, that's fair. Um, but I'm bringing it up because there's something that's been bugging me. It seems like everyone who agrees with me on liberty and free will in one way still has a blind spot about it in another. It's something that I cannot understand. And maybe it's because I'm wrong, but... I mean, I'm not wrong, right? <laughs> Probably, I hope. <laughs> um, so you've heard me rip fundamental Christianity for painting God as a tyrant. That's basically all I've done here. Um, but the inexplicable part is that a lot of those people see and understand the danger of tyranny in government and reject it. Uh, at least in the U.S., conservative Christians tend to also be politically conservative. They're extremely alert to the potential tyranny in the state while being blind to a tyrannical god for some reason. Then, on the other hand, the people who agree with me about God, the liberal Christians who reject a vindictive demanding God, usually have liberal politics. Now, you might be saying, well, yeah, that makes sense. Liberal in religion, liberal in society, conservative in religion, conservative in society. It's consistent. But that's my point. Like, it doesn't make sense, actually. Religious conservatives are sensitive to state tyranny, and religious liberals are sensitive to religious tyranny, but both seem to be blind to the inverse. The only way to be consistent in your worldview, as I see it, is to reject coercion from anywhere, at any time, in any form. This means that, to me, people who say they're willing to sacrifice, like, for example, their freedom to own firearms in hopes that the government regulation will protect more people, are still relinquishing everyone's freedom to the state power. Those who say that they're willing to pay higher taxes, if that means health insurance guaranteed to the government, are still bending to a coercive force, which is the government. So... Like, a lot of people that I've talked to can't see that they're violating the principles that they hold true for God, if they actually hold that principle, I guess maybe I'm that, I'm projecting that on them, but <clears throat> when people advocate for passing civic responsibility from people onto the state, it doesn't seem to compute for those same people that willingly giving up liberty to a human government is just as damaging to a person's ability to exercise free will as believing in a demanding um, and vindictive God. And really, why on earth would you be unwilling to believe in a coercive God, who is the ultimate power in the universe, but you are willing to hand over your freedom to a bunch of other humans? Seriously, what is that? It does not make sense. But at the same time, those people who recoil at the thought of centralizing government and risking things like religious liberty and free speech can't see that they do the exact same thing when it comes to God. Very conservative Christians are willing to silence people, shut down questions, coerce behavior, restrict freedom in the name of obedience to God. So both kinds of coercion stunt character growth because they both take away our opportunity to decide something for ourselves, which is the only way that we mature. And it seems to me that neither camp has any idea that they're exerting beast power um, on others and themselves just in different areas. So why? Why is this true? I can't understand it for the life of me. The religious right and the political left seem to be mirror images of each other in that they're both equally zealous and both equally um, unable to see the other side. Okay, so those of you who are feeling the sting 
of me taking political shots might be wondering why I have to bring politics into it. Like, really? We were divided enough in social discourse already and now you have to bring politics in a millennial commiseration podcast? Come on. But I'm not bringing it up for politics per se. I see it more as the progressive ideology that ends up driving liberal politics. Um, This exists in culture and society at large and we bump into it every day whether we're concerned with politics or not. That's why it's relevant because these social issues are as fervently discussed today as religion has been in the past and in our context inside of religion at times. Um, I think you guys know what I'm talking about. Everything political, social, and even personal has become conflated and mixed up. And I would argue as a result of the coercive pressure of progressivism. To me, progressive ideology ends up being just as inflexible as uh, fundamentalist Christianity. Um, If you don't know exactly what I'm talking about in reference to politics, feel free to let me know. This isn't a political podcast and it's not going to become a political podcast, so I'm not going to get into the weeds there, but if you don't know what I'm talking about, just broadly speaking, it's pretty well understood that the left side of politics is much um, more big government and the conservative side is much more small, small government, which is the main point that I'm trying to make. But, both in the religious and the political, every time I've pointed it out to someone where their principles or where the principle of freedom at least seems to break down, people get really defensive whatever side they're on about the type of coercion that they're in favor of. It's painted over as a sacrifice that they're willing to make in hopes of easing people's burdens. So in the case of government, I'm willing to lose my freedom if it will restrict the people that I think probably need to be restricted. And then in the case of God, I'm willing to believe in an unloving God if I can just follow a rule without having to grapple with the gray areas of life that make everything so messy. And both camps seem to think that they're being compassionate in some way by subjecting people to what's quote-unquote best for them. But if you've been listening to anything that I've been saying in the last 14 weeks, I don't believe that God imposes what's best for people on anyone, even if that means letting Satan wreak complete havoc in a world for generations of people who don't understand why that's happening. God is not willing to compromise freedom for anyone because that would make him a tyrant. And until we're able to understand that and see why suffering on earth is necessary cost of freedom in the great controversy, I think we are going to stay blind in whatever sphere we happen to be blind in. So circling back to the point about the life of Pi, a god that will punish and kill anyone who disobeys or doesn't follow the rules is the tiger in the boat for conservative Christians. And a social narrative that proclaims compassion for aggrieved groups to avoid the difficulties that come with leaving people free is the tiger in the boat for the liberal Christians. Um, And my question is, are you willing to believe the nicer story at the cost of facing something that is difficult but true? I'm willing to go out on a limb and risk, well, you and your aunt and your grandfather's safety (laughs) to ask if your principles are as consistent as you've previously thought they were. Um, I'm impertinent enough to suggest that, yes, 
you can love and care for people without handing undue power to human government. And yes, you can believe in a just God who protects and loves his creations, including the ones who don't love him back. Um, a principle is something that holds true across circumstances and crosses over from one area of life to another. It's always consistent because it's part of a philosophical foundation. When I've said before that I don't understand why we have two standards for God and humanity that allow us to believe in the vindictive God that many of us grew up with, that applies in the reverse as well. Why would we embrace freedom from the strangling restrictions of religion but apply those same strangleholds in society through the state. Um, that doesn't make sense. Okay, so how defensive do you feel right now? If you're super religiously conservative, you probably feel defensive. You've probably felt defensive this whole podcast and have stopped listening by now. If you're a more liberal Christian and possibly more liberal in your political or social leanings, you're probably feeling a little defensive right now. Um, that's okay. I don't expect anyone to be like, aha, I've changed my mind now. But have I poked any of your viewpoints? Did you still manage to get the Christmas lights up without electrocuting yourself? Um, you can fire up your social media chat and flame me if you want, but hopefully... You'll also take a little bit of time to look honestly into your views and see if they are consistent. And if you uphold a principle in one sphere, do you hold it up in others as well? It's just take a look and see if you can see any way that you might have been violating your own principles. Uh, we all do it because we all have biases. I'm part of that. I'm sure I have giant blind spots that I need to be pointed out by some other frustrating podcast that makes me want to throw it across the room. Um, but the hope is we'll all be willing to change our minds if it turns out that we've been wrong about something. Okay, now go raid shop for the rest of the day and we'll reconvene next week.